It's another Monday. <laughs> another episode of Talk About That. You will never hear the intro I just recorded. We, it was ridiculous, and we out here, <laughs> y'all. I wonder how the listener feels when you tell us that. Like, we just said yeah. maybe the funniest thing, that the stupidest thing I've ever yeah. said. And we were like, that's unusable. Yeah. yeah, and I just stopped and laughed hysterically. I had one of those, like almost have a pneumonia attack kind of laugh, like yeah. from your lungs. You ever laugh from your lungs, Johnny? <laughs> Not in a long time. Speaking of lungs, I've noticed that, we talk about John Foreman and Switchfoot a lot, I've noticed that he writes about lungs a lot. Yeah. He writes about from my lungs, the top of my lungs, you know, I wonder, I'd like to have him on the show. and see. What's his f- fixation with lungs? Well, I mean, is there something about, you know, this is where the breath comes from? Uh, but he he's probably got a good reason for it. Maybe he's, he's, got, a, maybe he's got asthma. Mm. We don't know. Wow. That would be a twist. I was not anticipating. He comes in, he's got like this huge inhaler. You're like, man. Wow. These allergies are brutal. Is the severity of your asthma in direct proportion to the size of your inhaler? Or could you not just take more from the same inhaler that you have? I'm just imagining like a cartoon. Well, I only have one kind of inhaler now. Mm. A buterol. Like if only one kind of like fast IT inhaler. Yeah. There's like some story behind it. Somebody told me that. This guy perfected the dispensation, uh, the dispenser device of it. Yeah. The thing that clicks off like how many metered puffs Sprays, there are. Yeah. And so he developed that invention and patented it. So now there's like one kind of inhaler because it has to have his deal. Wow. So, yeah. I don't know the whole story, but I'm not a, I'm not a, what you'd call a pharmacist, John. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> one of my favorite jokes, by the way, I was telling someone the other day that... You always, when you go to a town you're not used to being in, you always ask them, hey, what's the town around here you make fun of? Yeah, yeah. And then you do. There's always a redneck town that everyone is like, don't, don't go to Watertown or whatever it is. Right. We have we have a Possumville. In Tennessee? It's right down the road. No. Possum Town. Possum. Yeah, yeah. It's next to Watertown. Huh. They have like their own like parade and they do a... Possum Town. Like it's poss- called, like possums on. Hang on a second, I'm gonna find it because it's a real place. It's like an unincorporated deal, but it's a it's a town. I wonder if we have any listeners from Possum Townville City. Uh, I'm looking for it. Did you know, by the way, that Possumville was actually the capital of Tennessee for like a day? Really? No, that was Kingston. So Possum. <laughs> Just made it up. A lot of people don't know this because it's not true. But uh, but you always tell that joke of like, right? I don't want to tell your joke. You can tell it. Oh, I don't know which one you're talking about. Everybody has like five or six jokes that are like the redneck. We always have that. Like people walk up to me and they find I'm a comedian. They're always like, "Hey, <laughs> you do this big face." We're like, "Hey, tell uh, me a joke." Yeah, yeah, we don't do that. You know, we don't do that with other jobs. Hey, you're a chef. Bake me a cake right now. Bake it. Oh, you're a pharmacist? Sell me some drugs. Sell me drugs. Oh, you're from Watertown? Sell me some drugs. Sell me. <laughs> I love we it. We don't do that. I, I do one now it. that's a little edgier than that, even if I go to a nowhere town, which is a lot of towns I go to. Right. You say. Because you're a nowhere kind of Well, comic. no, it's just kind of like, oh, there's sorry. no, like big cities could care less. There's the beach or there's, you know, the Padres game or whatever. They don't care about your comedy show. But if you go to Ottawa, they're coming. Right. But when you're in Ottawa, Tennessee, you go. Yeah, that's what sometimes I'll live with that. If I know like a crowd's with me and they're like, they don't care, uh, they're just like, they're cool with me, like totally slamming their town and being a little edgy. I'll go, yeah, I was, we got here at four, uh, and by 10 after four, we had done everything there was to do in Ottawa. <laughs> and then they'll laugh and I'll go, I'm kidding, guys, we didn't make meth. <laughs> <laughs> it's so mean. 
It's but it mean. always gets a laugh. Usually towns like that, they kind of are like, they can have a sense of humor about themselves. Well, they assume that you're not talking about them. Sure, that's right. That's the funny thing. But part. like if you're a one red light town or whatever, you you almost have pride in that. Yeah, we're just a one red like you almost type you know, the fact that things move a little slower around here. People don't care. They don't they could care less if some guy like I'm like I'm some city slicker coming in though, like, oh wow, you're from Lebanon. Juliet. Right. <laughs> right. So I get it. And I'm from you know, I'm from a smaller town outside of Knoxville, but it's like whatever. You don't you know Nobody cares. I think people that gener- in general do not take themselves as seriously as the media would have us believe. I think we all can laugh at ourselves a little bit. Yeah. Which I'm very happy about. Yeah. We there know, are sensitive souls out there, but. You know, a couple of weeks ago, I drove to uh, all the way through Mississippi to West Helena, Arkansas. Yeah. For a meeting with an author. I'm not going to say who it was, but he was unbelievable. He was uh, so kind. James Patterson. Maybe you've heard of him. Uh, Bill Clinton. Oh, he is from Arkansas, isn't he? He does have a library. No, but this uh, this gentleman, you'd, you'd know him if I said his name, but he was so gracious, and he took me on like a historical tour, basically. He stopped in the middle of his day. He's defending his dissertation and everything right now, and he's about to move. He's doing a bunch of stuff. And was he said, defending it to you? Was he very defensive? He's de- very defensive. <laughs> <laughs> Who said they don't like my dissertation? <laughs> he's just shouting at people. At red lights. <laughs> <laughs> that guy really defends his dissertation. Good grief. Uh, but he took me on like a tour and like a historical tour. We walked out by the Mississippi in this really off this really cool bridge thing. Um, and then he was showing me sort of the, the whole, the way the town, the town's dying. And a lot of these Delta towns are dying. And um, there's historical markers everywhere and, and, and what it was. But that pride in the town yeah. there – in fact, there was – this is really interesting. You've heard of the Tulsa massacre, yeah. which again, I went all the way through – honestly, unless I wasn't paying attention in class, all the way through AP U.S. history in the – No, uh, we were never taught where I was – I was not taught about it. If you ever did hear about it later, it was always a Tulsa race riot. Mm-hmm. Even though what it, what happened was, is a guy was lynched in police custody, and so and it was in this was a it was considered the Black Wall Street, you know. So it was like a, a highly affluent area, uh, and then they just literally deputized every white guy in town to put down the quote unquote riot because they were you know protesting this this unjust lynching. And this is the 1900s, yeah. And basically, the guys they just killed like 300 people and burned the entire like it never recovered like just burned a whole town away and just stopped no one really talked about it well there was a monument in west helena uh and something similar it was it was less numbers of people but something similar happened there and he told me and i never even heard of it it was like this massacre uh, of black people and the deal was he said the reason you haven't heard of it is is they were just farmers he oh, said, yeah. so what happened in Tulsa, you know, there was to wealthier people. But honestly, it was the poverty here is such a big deal that even this occurrence has been almost just this completely blip on the radar. Yeah. For, it's not even acknowledged in history except for this one uh, huh. monument they have here now to this, you know, it's fascinating. But it was just interesting. He even said, though, laughing about towns, he's like, hey, well, we can grab a coffee afterwards, except there's no coffee shop. There's a Sonic and a McDonald's. We can go. So we went to Sonic and got a tea like that uh, was, you know, uh. So, yeah, I mean, there's always a town smaller, man. Always a town smaller. Yeah, and it's fun. And I think every community has that little trick that you do where you go, at least we're not like so-and-so. Yeah. And you kind of all, you have your little like, you pick on them. Um, and then sometimes you are that town, and you're like, ooh. That's, yeah. It's like everybody makes fun of, like, the driver that, like, 
you know, they cut you off and you scream, and then sometimes you are that guy, and you're like, oh, no, I'm that guy. Well, you know, I used your George Carlin quote in my book. Oh, really? I went and looked it up and actually quoted it, that yeah. everyone driving faster than you. used my made. George Carlin. It's like Michael Scott quoting Wayne, Wayne Gretzky. Right. You miss 100% of the shots <laughs> you don't take. I think it was my friend Johnny W. who said George Carlin said. Well, no, I gave George Carlin credit, not oh, okay. you. Oh, okay. You're the one who brought it to my attention. That's true. So, yeah. There is nothing, Johnny, that's not, I want to use a, a better word, collaborated. Some yeah. might say plagiarized. Yeah, yeah. But I try to give credit where I can. I did. You are in the book, actually. I use it as an example. Of what uh, not to do. Reggie and I use it as an example of... Uh, a true racist. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of racism... Let's tell you about our comedian buddy, Johnny Boy, that guy. And then we go into that voice. So, uh, that's weird. Hey, speaking of voices and the book, yeah, I get to do... Uh, it's something kind of... I, I hate to say I have a bucket list. I'm only in the second third of my life. You know what I'm saying? So you've little, said this before, and I just—I mean, you have a lot of—you have a lot. Of, that's almost cocky. What for you to be like? I got another third. No, I'm asking for another third. I'm not being cocky. I'm saying though, I'm not going to act like I'm in the second half. Yeah. Like I'm—I don't want to be in the second half. I'm in the second third if God allows me to live a normal lifespan there. So it's not—I'm not like. Uh-huh. I think, wow. Yeah, do you feel like good a, about yourself like a, it's now? It's like a hockey game. You're in the second period, yeah. and then the Zamboni machine is going to come out and scrape all your ice. And if the score is like most hockey games, it's like zero to zero, then there'll be a shootout at the very end of my life. Wait. That's... You do not want to die in a shootout. <laughs> <laughs> Sudden death. hey Oh, come on, guys. Man, is this thing So on? I'm watching, uh, we've talked about this before, I think, but like 90, 80s and 90s movies would be called something. And then they would invariably say the title of the movie in, in the, movie. the movie. Yeah. And it's always this funny moment of like, what are you doing? Like, it's corny even then. But yeah. I was watching. Uh, for, here's the thing. Curry goes out of town for a couple of days to be with the family. We've been together for hundreds of days in a row because of the pandemic. <laughs> and I've just not been touring. And it's just like I've had very few shows. Now it's picking up. But she went to be with her family for a couple of days, uh, her mom and dad. And so I just was home and I was like doing that thing of. What can I watch that there's no way she would watch with me? You know, like what dumb action movie would she be like? Is there something we can both watch? Yeah. And for some reason, I was watching like an old episode of something and they referenced Executive Decision. (laughs) Remember the Steven Seagal, Kurt Russell, like hijacking a plane? Steven Seagal dies in the first like 10 minutes? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I go, I'm going to watch Executive Decision. I, I watched that movie like when it came out of the theater. That's how long it's been. It was 94 or whatever. And I'm like, so I put it on. I bought it on Amazon Prime. I bought, I rented this movie. Wow. Like an idiot. And it actually wasn't bad. But I remember halfway through, they're like, they can't decide what they're going to do. They have to shoot the plane down because it's got this toxic, you know, chemical warfare on it, and it's going to land in Washington D.C. and blow the whole city up. Right. One drop of this could kill everyone on this plane. This this plane is full of this stuff. It'll wipe out the whole eastern seaboard. So they're trying to decide whether to shoot down the plane in the air and kill 400 people on the plane, or let it land and try to. Or these CIA operatives that are on the plane can they take it over and can they save the day? Hmm. So that's the big conundrum that the president's going through. And it's not the president because he's away. So it's the vice president. So the vice president had to make it, and it's a female vice president. That was the other like thing they ratcheted up the tension. Right. This female, how can she make a rational decision? It's the Glenn Close was the vice president. No, yeah, yeah, an executive decision. Uh huh. Glenn Close was the vice president in Air Force One. 
No, you're right. You're right. Yeah. You're right. What am I thinking of then? I'll watch that one the next day. <laughs> I got too much going on. Oh, anyway, so the vice president's trying to make the decision. So he goes, uh, I don't know. And then the, the chief of staff goes, it's an executive decision. <laughs> it was just like they, they so tip their hand yeah. of like what's <laughs> that's in your court. And I don't know what they end up saying. Basically, I should start working my sermon titles like into the sermon. And of course, they build the tension. The F-14s are swarming, getting ready to fire right, right. when they they get a signal from the plane. They're like, he's inside the plane. You know, don't shoot him. You know. Right. And then he saves the day. Uh. But then he has to land the plane, too, because they shoot the pilots. Like the last act not, of the terrorists is to shoot the pilots. So confident. now the plane starts diving. I'm not confident in which movie you actually watch now. I because want, Air Force One, certainly the pilots are dead. Yeah. Is that what I'm thinking of? Is, the, the, there's two, but at least they're the same movie is what I guess I'm saying. Because each one, the plane has to be landed by the hero because the pilots well, are. Well, the plane crashes in Air Force One into the ocean at the end. But with only the They bad, get out. With only the bad guy left on board. Right. Although the carnage of Air Force Kurt One. Kurt Russell lands the plane in executive okay. decision. Yeah. No, Harrison He's Ford. He's got like 12 hours of flight school, basically, on these little Cessna. In the beginning of the movie, they show him like, nice. now what do I do? And they're like showing the landing gear. And that kind of is like a foreboding, like, this is going to come into play because uh, he has yeah. to save the free world Wow. with his little Cessna knowledge. Anyway, I've probably merged these two movies, and it's fine because they're the same movie. They're really not. Listen, Air Force One, the, 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 the cheesy line in Air Force One was when- Get off my plane. <sighs> What does it feel like to have thunder, I wonder, <laughs> without it just being completely, get off my plane. Like, he just, it's like, no, I don't think. You were so presidential all the way up to that. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Yeah. So, if you were the president. And, you, and then, the thing about that one, too, is that was in the trailer. That line was in the trailer, I think. Well, then they gave it away. That was back when they do that whole thing of, like, we got to show them the whole movie or they won't come. And yeah. then you go and you're like, every good scene was in the trailer. Yeah. It is a good movie, though. Gary Oldman, he can't beat him. That guy can do anything. Yeah. You know, they're like, hey, we need you to be a Russian operative. Okay. Also, we need you to be Sir Winston Churchill. Could you gain 300 pounds? I don't know. Whatever. When? Next week. Again, that's always a dream of mine that someone would come and ask me to play a part that had to gain a bunch of weight for These guys gain and lose a lot. I, I went through a period in my life where I gained a lot of weight for a role that I was not yet cast in. Just kind of in case. You know, like, what if they want me to play Babe Ruth? Right. You don't know. It could happen. That's right. You he was mean, a lefty, wasn't he? I don't know. I don't know. I think he was. My baseball knowledge, I have been watching more baseball lately. Because Tennessee made it to the World Series. You yeah. Know, and then they got beat two games in a row. It's double elimination. They got beat two games in a row. Very uncharacteristic to the rest of the season. Uh, stranded a lot of guys on base. So, But my baseball knowledge does not go... Like, I know stuff about old baseball players, but if you wanted stats or real knowledge about Babe Ruth, besides the fact that I think he, wasn't he a, like just a partier, alcoholic guy who just, I mean, really lived it up in a... Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was like the Elvis of baseball, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, that's really... And Elvis was the Babe Ruth of uh, rock and roll. Rock and roll, right. That's how they always used to refer to him. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I was telling you, my, my bucket list... Yes. Thing. Oh, yes. Uh, audiobook. I get to record my own audiobook. How do you... Here's the thing. Uh, let me just give you some tips. Okay. From my own personal experience. All right. When I did a recording, my first DVD recording was just like on a lark with Tim Hawkins because he was like, let's get 15 minutes of footage of you. Yeah. So I did 15 minutes the first night. He was doing three, three nights in a row of recording to get like... So you can cherry pick the best moments of your hour and a half or whatever. Yeah. 
So I did 50 minutes. It went great. So they come back the next night. Come back the next night. So I kept coming back and doing more in different material. So then we had this like little like, hey, we could do like a 30-minute DVD. Would yeah. you want that? And I go, I'll kiss you on the lips. Oh. He said, no, thanks. <laughs> but we did. We released it. But when I'm listening to the audio of that, like I was going through this phase for sure where I didn't like drink water during. So there's parts of when I'm listening. When I'm watching it, you, for some reason, it doesn't bother me as bad. But when I'm listening and you just hear me, I was like, you just hear me doing this, like, and I'm like, get a drink of water, you moron. <laughs> like, what is wrong with you? Yeah. But I just felt like if I take my eye off the road for even half a second to drink this water, uh, I'll lose them. Oh, I just have that anxiety. I think that they're going to be able to push stop. Well, that's what I mean. Me, you're yeah. you're going to be fine, but I'm just saying, like, I don't have to hydrate. get it on one, I'm not allowed to get on one take. Hydrate. Don't wear your Smile Club Direct. <laughs> Gosh, you used to drive me crazy with those. When we were, there were some yeah. episodes of the podcast where I bet if we go back and listen to those episodes, we can tell it's in. Oh, that, probably. Because you were like, no, man, this is fine. This is totally good. This is good. That's good. You're yeah. like chewing cud. Uh, can I tell you, I have a lot of negative. Not a sponsor, by the way. No, and I, guys, I'm not trying to, to bring down Smile You're Club. You're the opposite direct. of an endorsement. You're trying to deflect. I, if anyone out there works for Smile Club people. Direct, I yeah. wish someone would contact me with a refund because oh. I'm not happy. This is Better Business Bureau with any of stuff. It. This is like a negative Yelp review with a listener base. Yeah, what's what's Yelp backwards? Play, play. Yelp sounds like something you would record, like uh, report, like pet abuse through. Yeah, it's like an app. Like I heard a strange sound. Yeah. someone's beating that dog. That's a Yelp review. <laughs> or it sounds like someone in the deep, deep south yeah. who's adapted their own affirmative vernacular. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, uh, you want to go on movie later? He's like, Yelp. Yelp. Yeah. <laughs> Have you seen that new F9 movie? Yelp. Yelp. Loved it. Oh. We had a we had a lady at the restaurant t- today, the uh, hostess. I, I would bet money she's from East Tennessee because she actually right. said Ewan's. She said Ewan's, and she had that kind of like slow as molasses. It's very Dolly Parton. It's yeah. very Dolly Parton. Super sweet. Yeah. She had a little bit of, there was a bigness to her hair. Not like so big, not cartoonic big. Right. But there was a Aquanet. Like if a spark lands near this, yeah. it's going up like flash paper. Yeah. Yeah. Very charming lady though. Oh, yeah. And she had my glasses from two weeks ago two when we weeks, had lunch there. Which lets you know she how remember often my face. She go goes, there. She goes, do you, were you in here a couple weeks ago? I go, probably. And then she goes, she pulls out, she, she produces this box from underneath the stand, the hostess stand, yeah. and it's just full of glasses. And I just, we fish out my glasses. I often wonder if people recognize me, if that's a negative thing. Yeah, I was almost afraid like, to oh, say yes. Here comes the hideous guy again. I remember him. He had the... You can't forget that face. Right. It's one of Quick, those. put these glasses on. Right. Cover up what we can yeah. of the square inches. There's not face. normally a mask requirement anymore, but with you, sir? Yeah. I don't care that you've had a vaccination. Mm-hmm. We're going to need you to cease and desist from showing your face. Did you see uh, Dustin Nickerson's new clip? I did not. He's got a new clip about uh, how he was on a plane and a woman's wearing a mask and she's breastfeeding without a cover. And he was like, what a weird time that we live in where I have seen your nipple, but not your nose. Well, <laughs> that's funny. It's a strange time to be alive. Yeah. What a time. What a time. But it's so I, audiobook. So it's great. And you're getting to like it. You're reading text that you wrote. This is beautiful, right? You're, yeah. It's like a, 
You've never done this before. No, I mean, I've had a lot of books that I've You've written, written and other people that, read yeah. them, and you're like, hack. Like, that's not <laughs> how I meant that to sound. You know, I did a book, I did a book about a, a with my friend TJ Stevens, who was about a school shooter, and that was like the biggest, my name, my name was equal in size to the author. It was like, yeah. I think they put an and instead of a with. I don't know. It was like huge. It was even on the like spine. But it wasn't like you were the school shooter. Like, right. Was the. John Driver was what? the school no, shooter. No, it was just like with. <laughs> but they sent me three audiobook yeah. guys who were doing samples, you know. And uh-huh. I was super impressed with all of them. The one they picked sounded very, he had a very like Texas draw to him. And it was like very, um, oh, who's the guy? Sam Elliott. Yes, thank you. How did you know? I don't know. I just wow. know that's what you were going for. <laughs> Ram. He's very like, you want to buy a truck from that guy. Right. I want to buy a truck and Ram. load it with beef. Yeah. Beef. It's what's for dinner. It's what's for dinner. You're like, it is what's for dinner. Thank you, Thank Sam Elliott. Thank you Elliot. so much. Yeah. You put beef in the back of a Ram. I think Sam. I think if you, I think it's the, the stored, whatever it is about him is stored in his mustache. I think you cut that mustache. Oh, yeah. He sounds, you know. He's got nothing. Right. He sounds like Jimmy Fallon. What was the show he was in, though? Where he played the anti-Sam Elliott character. Okay, what was that? Was it a movie? I don't know. Was it Was it Air Force One? <laughs> Executive decision. Every movie is Air Force One now to me. There was a, no, there was a movie where he was like the hippie. I'll tell you what it was. It, was, um, it wasn't a movie. It was um, Parks and Rec. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah he yeah, was yeah, in Parks yeah. and Rec, and he was like the anti... Okay, now I forgot the name of the main character guy who who's the city manager. Ron Swanson. Ron, he was the anti Ron Swanson. Yeah, but he thought Ron thought he was going to be just like him because he was a free will and lefty. Because he was also a city yeah. a parks manager or whatever, yeah. and then like he yeah he's totally like hippie dippy hippie. Yeah, I mean, if you could get a Sam Elliott, that'd be. But again, his voice is almost distractingly good. So you're not even like you're like what did he say? I don't know. Don't care. I love him. Buy another copy and see if that happens. That's true. I don't know why you'd buy another. Buying the second the copy of an audio book. Right. It's the same thing still. <laughs> no, but Reggie and I will both do it. Um, That'll to, be good. So there's a studio in Nashville, and we'll take three days and, you know, it's going to be Well, fun. to your point, though, and what I was thinking of, maybe, maybe I don't know if you ever told this story. Maybe it's fun to tell it now because you've made it. You've made good. But when you were originally trying to get the yeah. audio book for the first audio book, the first Reggie book. Oh, wow. Did I try to get that? No, no, no. You were trying to, like, get them to let us record it here. Oh, we did, yeah. That's what I mean. Yeah, they didn't but know, I, They didn't know any of it. So, I don't. I, let me just tell my version of it. <laughs> so, you were telling me about it. You're like, Johnny, we're trying to get this, because these studios, blah, blah, blah. I can't remember why you wanted to do it here. Maybe it was because it was like, was it a money thing? Well, well I was going to get Jeffrey the gig, and then I okay. knew Re- Reggie, this was his first book. Yeah. And, and so... We wanted him to have a place where we were all producing together, right? Versus him, so it's just, not as comfortable going to like a sterile right. studio where people are like standing over you, right. whatever. Like we're about to do, like we're about right. to do. But he's ready now. This has been ten years. But I remember you saying like, "Yeah, we just got. We had to like fake it till we make it." I go, "What do you mean?" He go, "Well, we like we had to submit a sample, so it had to be a totally dead room. But we don't have a studio here, so we just went and got like a bunch of the kids' play mats and foam and." We made like a, we stuck our head in one of the carts. Like we have these carts we put like all the janitorial supplies on and the kids' craft supplies. You threw all those out, put this foam, you stuck your head in the cart. Is that my goodness? And yes. then you stuck a mic in there and then you go, and it sounds great. And they, they loved it. Yeah, they did. <laughs> it's just like our friend bro. Chris Price, I had him read. I remember I had him yeah. read and um, 
And yeah, they turned like, this sounds awesome. And they did. They paid Jeffrey's company to do it. Then they start, we need to hire you to do this other book. And you're like, um, um, we're not taking new applications. We're sending Max Licato right now to your cart. Yeah. Yeah. We did build a studio out, though. It, well, not build. We, we made a room. Right, when you were doing that. the actual book. Actually, but it's yeah. funny, like, that idea of, simple. well, that's the whole thing. Like, when you're an actor, when you're an actor, when you're a comedian, when you're, if they go, can you sing? Yes. You go, yes. Yep. Can you surf? Yes. And then you go take surfing lessons. Do you speak French? Sure. Oui, oui. oui, oui. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, there's something to that, and I think it's just funny. That's that, I don't know. I don't know. If, I guess what it means is you're a liar, uh, <laughs> and I'm calling you out. I always wonder because you're deceptive. I, my wife said to me yesterday because I am a little overwhelmed yeah. at times, and she was like, "You know, I keep telling you every time you keep saying yes, you don't have to say yes, right? Because when you say yes, John, you're saying no to everything mm. else. Boy, isn't that right, though? Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, but you are saying yes. And when you say no, you're you're still saying no. Wait, right? You said no to right that too. I don't know if you two two lefts make a right. Yeah. Like wait, wait. No, actually, three lefts make a right because you're back around now mm. where you were. If I take a left, left, left. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I just it is hard when you. I think because in creative spaces, like it's easier to say no in a church world because I feel like things are finite. I know, I know, my time is finite. Like I have the assumption my time is not finite in creative spaces. I don't know what that is. If there's a name for that, we should make a name. Let's write a book about it. I'll say yes. Well, to me, it's not just that. It's I don't know when the work is going to dry up. So I got to say yes to everything because like what if this is not just like this could be a cool experience, but also like we don't know what's around the bend. So I need to like make hay while the sun shines. So I try not to say no. I'll be like, can you move it? Like, even if like, I'll say it's November 12th and I get three people to ask for that same day. I'm like, I get so stressed. I'm like, can they not, can this one people move? They're just going to go with somebody else. They already have the date set and it just crushes me. Cause I'm like, what if they don't, they go, we'll have it next year. We'll think of you for next year. I'm like, what if I'm not a comedian next year? Like, I don't, I know it's not and true, but it's people, like, um, yeah. I don't, I never trust when someone says, oh, well, whenever, like, I got, there well, was it's a, like when they're at the table and they're like, want to buy a shirt and they're like, uh, can I get this on the website? And I'm like, you're not going to go to the website. <laughs> well, I had an interview for a book that's with a major organization in Nashville and they have a bunch of personalities and they need, they have writers and, and yeah. but they needed an outside writer for this. I interviewed and the, um, publishing whatever she was manager emailed me and said listen truth is you'd be perfect for this Mm -hmm. but we got to have somebody who can commit to only doing one project at a time like we think it's going to be too much you know yeah so because i was like i'm in the middle of two others but i do that all the time you know and they were like yeah we don't but we're remembering the future and in my back of mind i'm going no you won't because then this guy will get it he'll knock it out of the park and then he'll be their guy it's very unlikely that you're going to remember in the future yeah you know so it's occasionally that comes back around but but i'm terrified it's in my recovery even laura said it yesterday she's like you always say the word waste like a waste of opportunity or a waste of time and truthfully when i got down to the bottom of the recovery through the gospel process like wasting my life is my is my greatest fear that i've wasted my life from opportunity Mm -hmm. um and that some of that plays probably into an unhealthy eighties, um, nineties evangelical cultural raising that says I should do something significant. Though there is, I don't want to. I feel I realize we swing so far the other way sometimes. We're like none of you are supposed to do anything significant. Just be a normal person and get a job. You know, it's like well, actually, you know, I do believe we should do significant things, and that can be your significant thing. Yeah. Um, 
it doesn't necessarily have to be unique or well-known in order to be significant. But I just, I don't know, man, wasting opportunity, it's like, it's one of those, I'm aware of it, much like the stepping on the scale, and it does nothing to stop that instinctive reaction. I mean, I have to, I'm working through, like I have to, I have to say, you know, we call this preaching the gospel to yourself. I have to say sometimes, like I, I think I said this in another podcast, but like the Lord is my shepherd and the Lord is my light and my salvation. There's all these, the Lord is, the Lord is my, the Lord is my in scripture, you know? And there's times I think the reason David's saying that, or the psalmist is saying that, like you're, you're, you're coaching yourself, you know, mm-hmm. you're, you're, you know, be still on my soul or soul. Let's praise the Lord. Like you're telling your soul cause it's not, it's not thinking of this rightly. So I have to say things like the Lord is my agent. Like I shall not want because I mean, agent and advocate and all those things, are the same thing, the Holy Spirit, those things. I have to remind myself, you know, Deuteronomy eight, like, my hands did not produce this opportunity. If I begin to believe that they do, mm-hmm. then beware is what it says in scripture, you know, because it's not that he's going to just take them all away. That's the sad part. I'm more worried he's going to take them away than I am that I am out of alignment with the actual truth of who I am in Christ. So then you're like, wow, then there's a, I should be less worried about losing opportunities and blessings than I am about the fact that yeah. <laughs> I'm not living this fullness, you know, of relationship with him where I feel secure in what he has brought and what he doesn't bring. And there lo- everything, I've, I have to remind myself, everything that has not worked out, if it was submitted to Jesus, was for your good. It may have looked great. And I look back on a lot of books that I went after. And it was one in particular. We pitched and pitched and pitched. I was writing for somebody. The Da Vinci Code. And oh my gosh. And then someone else, I couldn't believe it. <laughs> but there was a book that we had a deal, wasn't the right deal. And me and this author kind of just remained friends. And that book never worked out. And then like for real, like 10 years later almost, there was another book where these guys had worked in the same, had been involved in the same organizations. If I would have done the first, it would have absolutely precluded me from doing the second. The, you know, they they would not have been okay you know, yeah. with having feet in both worlds. So, but I, mean, I was always in the moment though, I'm going, why in the world? And it doesn't always work out that way. Sometimes you never know why. Yeah. But I just think, I don't know, man. Johnny, if you have to turn down one of your shows, it's just okay, man. <sighs> Whether they call you back or not. All right, fine. Just let it be. So to your point about the foam in the cart though, mm. so I'm, I'm on Instagram. I get these targeted ads. I don't know, who knows how these ads find you or why they decided you're the person for this or whatever. You need the, CBD, you know, eye drops or whatever that they're focusing on you. <laughs> my, eyes, my eyes feel very relaxed. I can see the future. <laughs> so I get this ad, and I think I've seen this once before, but it's this product that is on a stand like a mic stand, and it is a foam box that you stick your head in and you have a mic in it. And it's a little portable, collapsible recording studio. Really? And I was like, this, John invented this. He just didn't know that he was inventing it. And it was this guy, and it's one of those like funny ads where they're like, this is how I invented this. And he was playing a dumb song about how his neighbors were all screaming at him Uh because he was trying to practice his music or record. And so he invented this like studio on a stand. I don't know what it's even called, but it's like, it looks like exactly like what you were describing to me that you did the fake audio book. It's another million dollar idea that someone else took that I had. Oh my goodness! How many of these are? It's like happen? it's true. It's like you don't need a full studio. You just need that space to be dead. You just need that that's space. three square feet around your head. So he just said, well, "Why don't I just build a phone?" If he didn't call it Deadhead, and I don't know, <sighs> I get so frustrated. Deadhead studio. I get so frustrated with ads that aren't like they just miss the easy. Like I saw one the other day. It was like, you know, the new tankless uh, water heaters. It's like instant hot water. 
Yeah. And they were like... And your plumber comes, he's like, man, this is a tankless job. Exactly. Yeah. No, they missed it. Oh. I was like, hot water, it's a tankless job. Why would you... And they're like, no. It was like, tankless water heaters, hot water in an instant. Like, are you kidding me? Yeah. Hot water is a tankless job. Come on, guys. It literally is writing itself. I mean, not literally. No, and maybe somebody has done that. I'm not trying to say that I'm the only smart one, but I just hate that. It's like the... Uh, what is it? Regan used to have the bit about how he's behind a van and it said like Fiedler Roofing Company. He was like, what? <laughs> Fiedler. How did you not think of Fiedler on the roof? <laughs> My name is Fiedler. I'm going to be on the roof. Fiedler Roofing <laughs> Company. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> it's so it's, it's enraging. Yeah. But it happens. Fiedler on the roof. Gosh, that's great. <laughs> have you ever seen Fiedler? I have. Yeah. But I saw a Vol State production oh. of Fiddler. Who was in it? Dave Altizer was in it. Okay. And uh, so I went to support him. Wow. So it was a bunch of like college freshmen and sophomores at a community college doing Fiddle on the Roof. Yeah. So I watched it at T-Pac, so that was probably a little better. Yeah. You're, you're, you're <laughs> sp- it was fun, but your version probably. You know, I used to love going to high school productions and stuff, though. Just it, it, even if they were, there was going to be something to were enjoy. Were you in them? Were you an actor? As a- you know what? I did not. You never got into that? You told me about your show choir experience that you were afraid right. of being the artsy, dancey kid. But you were also afraid of emoting? No, no. I loved acting. Oh, you just weren't very I good. I just didn't. Wow. <laughs> I don't know why. I just didn't. I was very busy in school, like truthfully. I did every club. Every, all, like I was president of almost everything I did. I was yeah. building that resume for college, and I was trying to achieve. And I was working for my dad still, too. And I just didn't do everything. Like, I was the editor-in-chief. So you of the, put your acting career on hold. I was the editor-in-chief of the newspaper. For the good of the family right, business. Right. I couldn't. I couldn't. This is like, a, to this like day, a movie all its own. To this day, who knows what I would have been. This is like Dead Poet Society, where your dad's like, you're going to be a doctor. <laughs> and then you're like, but I want to act. And then they, <laughs> it's a big clash of styles. Yeah, I like, I like, I did a lot of, like, church plays. And, okay. Yeah, those, those count Those don't count nothing. nothing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember kid, having. Remember, kid, were they still doing those kids' praise? Or down at the down at the creek bank by the old holler log. I'm five years older than you, so I don't remember wow. what the church productions were. Church when productions you were. for us were like Carmen Human Videos, Salty, and stuff. the singing song. We book. did that when I was, was little. There some of that, yeah, we did some of that. When and I was his little. his more violent brother, us Salty. <laughs> <laughs> Who used to say that? You did. No, no, no. Ronnie Culberson used to say oh. that. Oh, sorry, I've already. We got, we got kids camp coming up. VBS. We got Salty. And then his his, uh, his older brother, Assaulty. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I would always play the devil in the uh, okay, like uh, what was it? Heaven's Gate Tells Flames. No, the Carmen songs. What was the one? The Champion. Okay. And like I would You're do the it, countdown. I would do a dive off the stage when Jesus would punch me. Oh, like I've totally jumped just on a concrete. The mouthpiece come out like even Ivan Drago, like in the slow motion. <laughs> <laughs> And Jesus was like, that's why I'd say it. <laughs> Jesus, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, I didn't do a lot. I didn't do a lot of Did action. you have like a vocal effect on you to make you sound more devilish, or did you try to go real deep? Well, it's a human video. Well, oh, you're just mouthing it. Yeah, I'm mouthing the okay. devil's voice in the... Well, that's easy then. Yeah. Because I remember we did the we did a uh, judgment house or whatever at a church oh. we were at, and uh, our youth pastor that we worked under as youth leaders... He had the funky, he had my headset mic, but he ran it through some kind of simulator yeah. and he was like, <laughs> yeah. it was very like doubled and tripled and like, like a high pitch, like on over top of it. So yeah. it just was this weird harmonic satanic thing. 
we I put on Judgment House when I was in high school yeah. at my church, and then did you play Accident Victim Number Twelve? I don't remember. You never got in and got the I want to say we had, on you? I think we had a chainsaw in one of the rooms. No, Johnny. I, a I, lot of I cringe theologically. Oh, sure. And then we took kids in college whenever you and I were youth leaders. We would take kids oh, with no. the youth group. You remember that? Like over yeah, to the... I'm not a... And I just have these horrible... Like I look back and just go, man, that's a hard one for me. Like, again, I have some cringeworthy things. I'm yeah. not... I don't cringe at the... It sounds super, I guess, maybe judgy and elitist, but I mean, I, got, I suppose I should have the right to you know, look back on my own experiences and feel what I feel about yeah, you them can, without yeah, being... you can decide for yeah. yourself. You don't have to say, like, those people were bad for right. doing it, but you can say, like, I shouldn't have partaken in that. Yeah, I wish I wish I would have had a different... I think even then you and I were like, eh, you know, like, we had Well, we thoughts. didn't do it. We were like... Right. We but knew t- enough to not be like, I'll be angel number six. Like, we right. weren't, like, signing up for it. But we did take... We did take people yeah. to things. We did. Because we were doing stuff... Well, and it was all—it was your option for Halloween, right? You couldn't do the real Halloween right. party because then you're like, "That's the devil's night." How dare you? You need to sit over here and think about what you've done wrong. That's Halloween. <laughs> See, it's a conversation I have with the staff all the time. Is I want what we what I want to have what what we should have had back then is let's talk about whether or not this Judgment House thing is the right thing, not because it's too much like the world or not. Like, let's really dive deep into theologically whether it's right or wrong. And that's the conversation it's hard to have because the conversation couldn't have endured theological depth. And that's where I go. For example, um, if you if, if church hosts a wedding, should they be allowed to serve alcohol? Yeah. Some churches will say, well, not in the, yes, but not in the sanctuary. Mm-hmm. And I go, okay, if that's your policy, I want to know why. Right. Like that's a conversation. Or we'll dancing. Go, Same thing with yeah, dancing. Whatever. A lot of churches wouldn't do dancing. But you could do dancing if you had it in a tent outside. Right. If you were going to be on the church, oh, well, not on the church grounds. Like, okay, do we really feel that there is a place here physically uh-huh. more holy than another place if we really do feel that way? I'm not talking about like yeah, what's your... being disrespectful of someone's home or even a church building. I just mean like if you feel like. You're fine with the drinking or the dancing in theory. You're just not fine with it in a certain space over another when all the same people who are the church mm-hmm. will be in both places. That's when I go – if you have a legal reason, like, well, you know, just for liability's sake, if someone gets hurt or whatever on our property. Right. Great. Goes and gets drunk and does something stupid or whatever. Give me that reason. That's fine. Yeah. Or if the reason is – you're providing a bunch of people from outside our circles and community who are coming to the wedding, family members, and we don't know your Uncle Bob might be, you know, a crazy alcoholic. Again, yeah. we can't control them, the events happening on our campus, and we're not going to be liable for that. Great. I can handle all that. When it becomes, like, seemingly moral, then I go, okay, no. We may make we may come to the same conclusion, but if we can't talk through – theologically why then I don't think we should make well that's kind of what deconstruction is it's not just like this you have these accepted beliefs and traditions and then you just go why do we believe this though and it, and if you can go find scripture and back it up you can go like okay there's right. like eight scriptures that talk about this yep. I can get on board or I can decide that I'm going to throw the whole thing out yeah but like that's so these people like have given demonized the idea of deconstruction. But that's all it is. It's saying like, okay, this machine that is whirring around us that we've decided is just like this existing thing that we accept. Let's let's figure out why do we do why we do? Why, how does this work? Yep. 
And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But yeah, like you say, we when we act like certain parts of the building are more holy than others, we can do it here, but not here. And some people don't want like drinks in their sanctuary because they have a nice carpet or something. Sure. I remember that as a kid, like yep. the carpet in the sanctuary was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> right. Now you just see people coming in. They got one hand in the air, praising God and one hand on their new cup of Joe. <laughs> they just got Frappuccino. Well, wasn't Anderson. I think last Sunday he was like, there was a day in life where it was a matter of sin for me not to wear this tie Uh-huh. in his lifetime. Yeah, you know, you he, he, he wasn't wearing a tie. Sun, they call it Sunday best. Wear your Sunday. That's what yeah. you're wearing. Your Sunday best. You got to just kind of come to some place where we go. Is that really what it says? Mm-hmm. You know, if we're going to be, especially if we're going to say we're fundamental Bible believers, like is that fundamentally what this really says? Yeah, you know. But I'm really hoping that God's good with me being a complete slouch. I hope He is too, because I'm not. I am not well put together. No, no. There was a, a whole room about you at one of the judgment houses, if I remember. There was. It's like, this was the slouchy Christian room. Yeah. And he's going to stand before he, God. He didn't make it. He did not make it. <laughs> he's he'll a answer, slouch in the hands of for, an angry God. He'll answer for every idol outfit <laughs> that he ever declared. Yeah, I. it's hard for me now because, like, like, I bought these shoes that I'm wearing now. And I like them. Like, I got them to run in. And then I'm like... Are these dad's shoes? Like, I don't know. Oh, yeah. I don't know enough to know whether these are, like, actually cool. Oh. Because I'm 47 now. I just turned 47. Like, I'm not a cool guy. Yeah. But I want to, like, not look like a dad. What is that supposed to mean? Because I'm not a dad. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't look like an out-of-touch, like, this is what the cool kids are wearing. Like, I at least want to be like, I am not cool and I'm embracing it. I don't want to, like, be fooling myself to thinking, like, hey, I'm hip. I'm down with it, and I'm clearly not. So I don't know. You think these are dad shoes? These are all right. I don't, right? They look like running shoes to me. To if me, they like, were all white or yeah. all black. Well, all white's like a big thing. That now. is, but that would be you trying too hard. Then I'm trying to be right. the cool. You, you all getting... white shoes don't work for me though, because like I again, I'm they're going to be filthy. Right. Like I'm just. I'm you not going to clean them every day. So. You wearing all white shoes look like you're trying to be a nurse or something. It is. I think that's what it yeah. would look like. I just passed like Crocs. The, I just passed the MCATs, and so. I'm, I'm very excited. <laughs> just want to get out. It's going to get there for my pay. You know what it is? I don't remember. What's the doctor test? Or the nursing? Wow. MCATs? I, mean, I don't know. Isn't that like... Maybe that's for vets. I don't know. Isn't that to get it's admittance? It's to start treating cats. cats. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Well, listener, we. Uh, wow. I don't know how I'm going to. I don't know how I'm going to say. We have enjoyed treating you. <laughs> <laughs> we hope you enjoy our attempt to segue into a closing every single episode. Mm-hmm. You were supposed to, by the way, to do the whole pitch in the middle. Oh, in the middle, so they don't stop we'll listening. Do the episode. There's something funny coming after this, but we want right. you to go check out talkaboutthatpodcast.com. All of our episodes are archived there. Yeah. You can uh, go to our Patreon page, mm. leave a review. Oh. Uh, give us five stars because what's the, if you're going to go there just to give us a one star, you're right. dragging down the curve. That's if, hateful. If you're going to do four, what's the point? Just right. go ahead and do five. If you believe in us at all, five. I believe that the structure. A four is a one star. It's basically. Right. If you're not first, you're last. Man, isn't that We're true? We're not afraid to say it. Yeah. That's, that won't preach, but I could. That's for our summer at the movies. God at the movies. God. The Ballad of Ricky Bobby. Oh, goodness. You do a Talladega. You would do a Talladega Nights clip, right? You could uh, figure out a I'd way. I'd be more likely to do a Ron Burgundy. Oh, right. You know, there's a lot in that movie. There is a lot. And about, there's a lot you can't use. About humility. And, <laughs> yeah, it's true. Yeah. <laughs> so Michael Self-awareness. Scott, so Michael Scott say in that one episode, he goes, 
You know, it's just like Nav Campbell in Scream 2. I mean, she thinks she's going to college and leaving her past behind, and the murderer shows up and starts killing her friends again. I learned a lot from that movie. <laughs> 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 you know, and we hope, listener, you've learned a lot from this episode. But we really doubt it. We doubt it, yeah. Hey, but yeah, uh, do what Johnny said. Go check it out. Leave us reviews. And, oh, and I want to uh, say this. Since this one's coming out Monday, this next Thursday, July 1st, July 1st. if you're living in the Middle Tennessee yes. area, we have a free comedy show that I'll be performing. I'm hosting uh, Johnny W. and Friends with three other comedians that are some of my favorite funny friends. And they're going to be – and it's a free show. Yep. It's to celebrate the – a grand reopening of the Brew Coffee Shop. Right here at the Church of Pleasant so, Grove. Right, yeah. Church of Pleasant Grove, Mount Juliet, Tennessee, near Nashville. So if you live anywhere near here, if you want to come uh, come laugh and uh, welcome back uh, civilization as we know it, we hope, uh, come have a coffee and some laughs. Yep. Thursday, July 1st, 6.30 is start time. We'll open the Brew uh, Cafe, full service cafe at 5.30. I'm just glad we don't have like one of those nicknames for our cafe that's like clearly a stretch of like, right. I know churches do it and it's okay. Holy grounds. Yeah. Jehovah Java. Hebrews. Those things. Yeah, it's ours fine is, if you do it, but we're just like, it's, it's a coffee shop. It's the right. brew. B-R-O-O. Yeah, B-R-O-O with the, one of those long. The long. Ooh. Whatever it is. The long ooh. <laughs> But yeah, yeah, come to that, and uh, we'd love to have you. And yeah, you it's a free show. Of, yeah, and this is John and I. It's our home church, and so you can kind of see where we, uh, where we, what the church that made us, if you will, mm. for better or for worse. The church that's making us. If you will. Oh my goodness, isn't mm. that just like? Absolutely. <laughs> hey guys, thanks so much for hanging out with us. We'll see you next week. I'll have to talk about that. This is Chris Christensen, and back in 2006, I started a simple project, a project to try and introduce more people to the Bible through Bible study called the Bible Study Podcast. It's a simple name and a simple idea. Each week, every week, we study one chapter of the Bible, talk about what it says and what that might mean for us today. To listen now, go to lifeaudio.com or search for the Bible Study Podcast on your favorite podcast app.